Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And back in the 70s, there was a popular gospel song that had a line in it that went like this. It is no secret what God can do. I mention that because over the years, while involved in trying to teach someone the gospel of the Lord, that sentiment has come up in various ways. Usually it will happen right after the person I am teaching realizes that I am saying that obedience to the commands of the Lord is necessary for salvation. That, if I understand it correctly, a person cannot be saved without doing what Jesus said. I say that because I believe that is what the Lord taught. Remember his illustration about building one's house upon rock or sand? Doing what he says was the very point of that illustration. In Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27, as the Lord was bringing the famous Sermon on the Mount to a close, Jesus said, Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. When told that obedience is necessary for salvation, many will say that such teaching binds the hands of God, so to speak, that we are somehow limiting him by saying that he requires obedience on our part. They will say that God can save man by any means he chooses. And some, in years past, have even quoted that song by saying, remember, it's no secret what God can do. But all that kind of reasoning really evades the issues and misses the point. It is not a question, and never has been a question, of what God can do. It is a question of what God has promised to do. It is not a matter of what God has the ability to do, but what he has purposed that he will do. When we preach or teach obedience to God's plain and simple terms of salvation, we are in no wise limiting God's power or ability. What we are doing is simply recognizing what God has said and the limitations that he has set. My friends, it is no secret what God can do, and I would not for one minute question that. But there is a great deal of ignorance concerning what God has said he is going to do. 
I readily agree that God has all power, more than ample power to save. But that does not mean that I can evade or ignore some pretty straightforward words from the God's holy book. For instance, looking at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6-9, through 9, we find the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul telling us, Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you, and to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now a person can point to all the power that God has, and he is omnipotent, all-powerful, and a person can speak of what God can do, and what he can do is unlimited. But in this passage, he tells us what he will do, and that is to take vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I would like to look at several very well-known Bible events briefly that demonstrate this point a bit more fully. Consider Noah. It was never a question of what God can do, but rather what he has said he will do. It is certainly no secret that God could have saved Noah any way he wanted. He could have tied Noah and his family to a stout oak tree and then simply blown the reprobate generation of people off the face of the earth. He could have put them in a cool cave created for that very purpose, along with the animals, and then sent a scorching fire. He could have caused the earth to open up and swallow all of those who refused to repent, as he did with Korah. He could have done any of that and more. But God told Noah what he would do in Genesis 6. Surely all Bible students know that after giving Noah the necessary instructions, Genesis 6 closes with the words of verse 22, Thus did Noah. According to all that God commanded him, so did he. My friends, the fact that Noah obeyed God exactly as he had commanded did not manifest any lack of faith in God's unlimited ability. Rather, it demonstrated faith that God had the ability not to mention the integrity to do just what he said he would do. So when Noah was told what to do, he did it. And he did it by faith. Hebrews 11 and verse 7 puts it this way. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. You see, Noah had faith in God's ability to save, and he had faith in God's integrity to save in exactly the way that he said that he would. Let us consider the case of the brazen serpent that we read about in Numbers 21. It is no secret that when the fiery serpent sent by God entered into the camp of God's people and wrought havoc upon the hosts of Israel, God could have saved those bitten by any means he desired. He could have had them pray a prayer, if that is what he wanted. 
For that matter, I suppose that he could have prescribed a double dose of a potion made of boiled herbs, stewed frog legs, and locust wings. He could have done it in any way he chose. But that is not what God said he would do. He promised a cure and set the limits. It is found in Numbers 21, verses 8 and 9. There we read, And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and put it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looks upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it on the pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. This was not quite as easy as it may seem when we consider those on the very outskirts of the tribes in their position in the camp and the distance they would have to travel to reach that serpent. It took faith to do that, to simply accept the cure that God had provided, and in very much the same way, we must have sufficient faith to simply accept the cure that God has promised for sin. As a matter of fact, Jesus explained God's plan for us using this very event as an illustration. In John chapter 3, verses 14 14 through 16, the Lord said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Any Israelite who did not have sufficient faith in God to accept his cure and simply to do what God said died from that serpent's bite. In just the same way, anyone today who lacks sufficient faith in God to do what is commanded in the gospel will die from the venom of that old serpent, the devil. It has never been a question of what God can do, but always a question of what he has said he will do. How about the famous Naaman? Bible students know about this man. His story is found in 2 Kings 5. Naaman suffered from leprosy, and God could have healed him with a variety of means and methods. He could have anointed him with spittle, as Jesus did to the blind man's eyes. He could have prescribed a tonic to be taken internally. He could have come up with anything, and Naaman could have said, God can heal me without me going down into the muddy waters of the Jordan River. Why, as a matter of fact, God can heal me by having Elijah wave his hands over me and saying some mystical words. Truth be told, that is very close to what Naaman did say but that still did not change God's instructions. Again, from 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 10, we see what God said he would do. That verse tells us, And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Only when Naaman obeyed the word of God, was God's promise fulfilled. A person needs help to misunderstand that. Unfortunately, the help to do so is readily available. Some, in an attempt to get around the powerful teaching of this event, argue that it is merely a story, a fable. Not so, my friends. 
Jesus referred to it in Luke chapter 4, verse 27, when he said, And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them were cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. If Jesus was telling the truth, then this event absolutely occurred. It has never been a question of what God can do, but always what he said he will do. Let's think a moment about nature. It is no secret that God can do anything he chooses to do in working through the established laws of nature. His power is no less manifest in the rainbow than in the other mighty miracles. God's power is truly shown in both. This same power is manifest in God's divinely designed spiritual laws. In both the natural and the spiritual, God is omnipotent. God has established laws governing man's reproduction, resulting in the birth of a child. But John the Baptist told the Jews who took such pride in their lineage from Abraham in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 9, And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. But John was speaking of what God could do, not what God said he would do. It would have been pretty silly for Jewish newlyweds to start gathering rocks in order to start their families. Though God has that power, he exercises his desire for man to fill the earth through the method of reproduction set forth in his natural laws. Someone may say, it is no secret that God can save everyone, and that is true. And it is truly my personal desire that he will. But the question again is not what I desire or what anyone else desires. The question is, what has God said that he will do? The Lord said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, the following, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Even the Lord recognized that the Father would not save all people. Those who decide to tread the wrong path, the one characterized by disobedience to the Lord, will be lost. It isn't because God can't save them, but because they do not submit to his will. My friends, somebody else may say, and oh, so many, many have, that it is no secret that God can save a man at the point of faith without man having to do anything. In fact, if man is required to do anything, then it is no longer a matter of salvation by grace through faith. But the point is, where has God promised to do this? Perhaps even a better question to ask is, can anyone give just one example of any man, anywhere, and at any time, being blessed of God at the point of faith or before faith was manifested in obedience? Do not refer to the statement made concerning Abraham in Romans 4, verses 2 through 3, which says, For if Abraham or justified by works he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. 
For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. That statement is first found in Genesis 15 and verse 6. If Abraham had still been in Ur of the Chaldees, even after God had called him, if he had still been in Haran after God had called him, if he had not acted as he did with Melchizedek, then Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness would never have been made. In other words, Abraham had his faith counted to him for righteousness because he manifested that faith in obedience. Every promised blessing of God concerning salvation is predicated upon our faith and obedience to his will to receive the blessing. They always have been and they are now. Every single one of them. Actually, if you don't obey, you do not have saving Bible faith. A person may believe and never be saved. Jesus gave us the ultimate example. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 through 9, we learn, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. It is not a question of God's power to save, but just who he has said will be saved. Again, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. That's Matthew 7 and verse 21. Just who will be saved? Where has God ever promised to save anyone that will not obey his will? And finally, it is no secret that God could have placed salvation anywhere he wanted it. And you know what? He did. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10 we find, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal power. Salvation is in Christ. That is where God put it. Yes, God has unlimited power, and in his unlimited power, he has placed all spiritual blessings, including salvation, in Christ. It is no secret that God could have provided many ways of interest into Christ, but he did provide only one. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 27 tells us what it is. Paul wrote, For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. God could have provided many entrances into Christ, but he didn't. He plainly stated that we are baptized into Christ, where is located every spiritual blessing. It is no secret what God can do. But please, do not be ignorant or choose to ignore what God has said he will do. It is as Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 34, verse 16, Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. No one of these shall fail. None shall want her mate. For by my mouth it hath been commanded, and his spirit it has gathered them.
words to think about. Thanks for listening.